Welcome to the Magnolia Media Podcast, part of the Magnolia Media Network. I'm your host, Jonathan M. Ruggiero, here with my co-host, Logan Ramsey. All right, welcome back, Logan. We're glad to have you. A little correction from yesterday when Logan was throwing out his social media handles. It's actually at Magnolia Logan 2024. At Magnolia Logan 2024. You'll find him on Instagram. You'll also find him on Facebook. Uh, you'll actually get to see what we look like. If you're enjoying these videos, we also have our Patreon up. Finally, if you want us to keep creating this pro-democracy and left-leaning material right here in the eye of the storm in Knoxville, Tennessee, consider giving to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Magnolia Media Network. All right, moving on to our first news story of the day. The abuse of AI tools and its latest victims include President Joe Biden and Taylor Swift, which is not someone I'd want to cross. Uh, nude photos of her surfaced on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, that were quickly taken down, but not until after they were viewed millions of times. And let's be clear, these were not real photographs of a nude Taylor Swift. They were AI-generated pictures of a nude Taylor Swift. Either way, um, it could lead to major backlash, and obviously the Swifties are not going to have it, right? Oh, like, no, the Swifties are going to be losing their mind. They probably already are. She has one of the most loyal fan bases of anyone in the world. I put her there with Dolly Parton. I mean, Dolly Parton certainly has one of those, you know, extremely, extremely... Um, rabid fan bases that stick with her through thick and thin. Uh, but she's she's been in this for 50 years. The fact Taylor Swift has been in it for 15 years, maybe a little little more, a little less, um, just proves that, you know, she's, she's not going anywhere. She's going to be a part of the pop culture scene in the United States for a long time to come. Yeah, didn't they actually have to take down Taylor Swift's uh, everything? Everything Taylor Swift had to be taken down. You couldn't search Taylor Swift on uh, X, the the platform formerly known as Twitter. I still can't get used to it being destroyed by Elon Musk. Him naming it X, I automatically, when I found that out, I was like, he's going to destroy everyone's search browser history. I believe uh, he actually named one of his children. He has 11 children. He named one of them X. That doesn't surprise me. No, he he seems to be um, obsessed with the letter X for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> Is it because he has a lot of X's? Or I mean, I don't know. He obviously <clears throat> has all those. He's obviously not a good dad. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not passing judgment. I'm just repeating what his own. Uh, you know, transgender child, you know, has had to say about it. He has a trans. How old is his child? He's, she's an adult. So, you know, he's had, uh, they've had issues falling out. I mean, you know, um, I, I can't go into it, it to too much detail because I don't have that detail in front of me and I don't want to go off just talking about it. I don't Without know the actual facts. Musk, um, other than he's an, I don't know anything more about him. Um, I know a little bit of his history, you know, how he got started, where some of his money came from. Um, I know that he's South African. He's 52 years old, and at some point he needs to start acting like it. Uh, and Congress has proven to be 
absolutely impotent. And, you know, a right winger always finds a way to sabotage legislation that could protect children from the harm that's being propagated by companies like Meta, who know that the algorithms they're using are leading to the harm of children. And supposedly the pro-life caucus, which we all know is a crock of right off the bat, can't get anything done. It's Ted Cruz who torpedoed the last piece of legislation. Uh, we can count on them to do that. You know, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if one day Ron Johnson slipped up and started speaking with a Russian accent. You know, <laughs> and he starts saying like this. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm from Wisconsin, you know. Um, because the guy spent July 4th, 2019 yeah. in Russia. Yeah. In Moscow. So let's just keep that in mind. So maybe next time he's on the ballot in Wisconsin, um, consider voting for a Democrat because Ron Johnson is is one of the just most putrid and hateful people I, I, I can think of uh, in politics in general, not just in the Senate, not just in the House, not just on the periphery of politics, but in the body politic itself. The EU has taken proactive steps to limit AI. And of course, uh, writers and actors went on strike this summer. We all remember that when the Screenwriters Guild um, you know, went on strike, followed by the Actors Union, um, to ensure that you know their image can't be used. That, that basically, they need to be hired one time as an extra in a film, and then they never have to be employed again. The studio owns the, you know, the rights to their image so they could use AI to uh, you know, generate their image again. Well, I, I know quite a bit about AI, and honestly, they're not quite there yet. Because uh, whenever AI um, software goes to try to create an image, they always mess up with eyes, lips, and hands. You'll always notice that like their hands look wonky. It honestly looks like they have like three fingers to seven. Oh yeah, we've seen that with the Trump image of Trump. You know, um, have like Jesus is hovering above Trump as he prays. On one hand, he has seven fingers. On the other hand, he has six, including two thumbs. Yeah. You know, so I mean, yeah, you, you can tell we're not there yet, but we're we're certainly headed you know, in a scary direction when it comes to the use of artificial intelligence. Um, and a quick note, a little something while we're on tech for a moment, my, my absolute favorite tech business podcast, one of my favorite podcasts in general is the Pivot Podcast hosted by infamous, if not famous, journalist Kara Swisher and multimillionaire uh, businessman and professor at the Stern School of Business at NYU uh, Prof G, the dog, Scott Galloway. Scott, yeah. we love you. Uh, we appreciate all your good work and all of your dirty jokes. Your dirty <laughs> jokes. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what, you know, you've got a lesbian sidekick there who's brought you on the show and really made you famous in a lot of ways because she was already um, famous or infamous, depending on whether or not you work in tech. If you're one of the big... Uh, tech uh, billionaires she's definitely infamous not famous because she's known for her hard-hitting interviews um this was some some a study that he had actually mentioned on the pivot podcast and i thought it was important i don't have tiktok on my phone i don't have tiktok on any of 
my devices here in the office. Neither do I. And I, I more or less have a blanket ban on them. You know, um, I don't want to press, you know, what they what employees here do on their personal phones. But when it comes to office equipment, I'd just as soon not have the CCP looking into what we do. Because let's face it, ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, yeah. is a Chinese company. Yeah. And we're talking about a one-party system. We're talking about a communist country, a dictator, an authoritarian regime in China, who, if they ask for that information, for all of those data points they're getting... They're going to get it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially among uh, young people in the United States. They're losing to the United States economically, militarily, technologically... We've bounced back from the, uh, the recession-ish type conditions that were created by the uh, pandemic in amazing fashion. You remember, not that long ago, inflation was at 7%. It's still above 7% in Great Britain. It's as high as 20% in countries like Hungary and Viktor Orban, who seems to be uh, the love child of people like Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, who, for whatever reason, just admires the hell out of Viktor Orban, I guess because he manages an economy with a, a GDP of $180 billion a year, which is like the quarterly earnings of Microsoft. Yeah, isn't it uh, 3% here? Yeah, inflation's now down to 3.1%. Wages are up to 5%, uh, or they're up 5%, rather. The housing market is still a little out of whack. Um, grocery prices haven't completely corrected themselves. But that's, you know, I, I'm not an economist, but from everything that I read and everything that I've heard, it's beginning to correct itself a little bit. So if you're the CCP and you're trying to find a way to hurt the United States, you look at the political divisions that exist within this country and you look at what is the biggest flashpoint right now internationally. And it's young people who are sympathizing more with Palestine, the Palestinians in Gaza, than our partners in Israel. Yeah, and TikTok has taken advantage of it because uh, the uh, post about Palestine and about supporting Palestine is 54. Well, what the, the way it was one? broken down in the study uh, mentioned by Professor Galloway, the dog... Um, he likes to call himself the dog. He has a lot of fun with it. Uh, it it's so I don't mean it in a degrading way at all. He he said that um, pro-Palestine versus pro-Israeli content on TikTok is an astounding fifty-four to one. Now, considering the billions and billions and billions of of TikToks that are seen each day by young people in the United States. That's going to shift an opinion. So if China can't beat us on any of the uh, metrics that I mentioned before, military, economy, technology, then why not go after the population itself? Because, I mean, China is essentially hermetically sealed. All media there is government-owned and government-ran, government-operated. So they don't have the... Um, the freedom that we have here to express our opinions and to have a, a truly free um, press, a free society. And, you know, and of course, that's worked against us in some way because 
there are so many far right-wing outlets spewing pro-fascist views that it really will make your head spin and was really the reason we started this little network that we plan on expanding. Um, if you're a journalist, by the way, living uh, across the United States who doesn't mind doing work for a left-leaning network like our own, um, you know, contact us. You can always contact us through our email at magnoliamedia2024 at gmail.com. Is that correct, Logan? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So you can, that's sort of our home email. If you want to contact us, we absolutely pay for, for stories. You know, we want to support local journalism. We know a lot of journalists in major cities from Atlanta to Dallas, Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco have lost their jobs and are completely dependent on Substack articles and other things to keep themselves afloat. Um, you know, that it's something we're attempting to do here. We want to reach out to those places and um, and eventually have those pieces written by journalists posted on our website, which is being built in the next couple of weeks. So, and again, touching on China, the Hang Seng, which is essentially the Dow Jones of China, has shed $4 trillion in value over the last three years, while the Dow Jones is almost daily setting a new record high. Almost daily. The S&P 500 is almost daily setting new record highs. So we need to work as hard as we can to change the narrative around the economy because it is on fire. It is on fire and we have Joe Biden and Fed Chair Jay Powell. I mean, love him, hate him, whatever. Chairman Powell has been the calm in the storm through this whole thing. He hasn't let it phase him. He, you know, the, the stock market was up and down, up and down, came off a rough year uh, in 2022. Chairman Powell stuck to his guns, kept raising interest rates. Got the job done. Got the job done. He didn't care how much criticism there was. And President Biden, remember, he was there. Uh, the, he was the Fed chair under Donald Trump. Really? Biden trusted him and said, you know, you can get the job done. You can get the job done. I don't give a damn who hired you. That's not what I'm here for. Just, um, you know, do the best you can. And he's done a pretty good job. Good job! Now, uh, on to probably my favorite story. I have to admit, it's probably my favorite story of the day. Uh, the $83.3 million judgment against Donald Trump. We talked about this a little bit. This stems from E. Jean Carroll, part two, the second defamation lawsuit she filed against Donald Trump. She already won back in the summer uh, in the first defamation lawsuit and sexual abuse civil lawsuit she brought against Donald Trump. She was awarded $5 million after Trump was found guilty of sexual battery and sexual abuse, as well as defamation of character. So those were not factors that were open to be litigated in the second trial. Trump's already been found right. guilty of that. So we move forward. He kept Running you know, his mouth. Yeah, Judge Kaplan, Judge Lewis Kaplan, did an absolutely fantastic job um, of trying to keep Trump in check. And, and notice something before we go on and talk about what Trump has to do in order to appeal this case. Every time Trump is faced with reality, and, you know, conspiracy theories don't fly in a federal no. courtroom. 
He's it's faced all with reality. Right. They don't pass. Now Trump owes uh, E. Jean Carroll, at the moment anyway, unless that number, that 83.3 million number is adjusted upon appeal, he owes her $88.4 million. Oh my God, beautiful. Please drain me. Please take everything I have. Oh. So that's not even getting into what's going on with Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, and her civil fraud lawsuit that Trump also lost, uh, in which New York State is requesting $370 million be disgorged from the uh, Trump businesses, if you want to call it Trump empire or whatever. I, I don't know if you can call something that strapped with that an empire. Uh, it's more like an anchor around investors' necks. But um, at any moment, Judge Arthur Ingeron could come back with a finding uh, because he's off right now, you know, working with professionals to uh, figure out what the Trump organization owes the state of New York. Uh, and he could very well come back with a number larger than $370 million. Again, that could happen just any day. It could happen this week. I mean, we're looking for it either this week um, or the middle by the middle of February at the latest. But back to the $83.3 million number. In order to appeal that case, now I don't know how it works in New York State, but in a federal court case, Trump has to put up all $83.3 million on bond in order to appeal that case, that finding. If you can't come up with the $83 million by a certain date and time, then forfeit $83.3 million or they'll go get it from Donald Trump, essentially. Um, of course, he's going to do the same old grift the way he's done it before when he's been fined or held responsible for his uh, just all around awfulness, uh, he goes to his cult, you know, and they bail him out. If he's not able to get any money from his cult, his supporters, and he doesn't physically have the money with him or in his accounts, how would the courts go about getting or claiming that money? Well, I, I'm not an attorney. First of all, so I don't want to speak as if I were an attorney, but right. I imagine there's there's some sort of um, forfeiture process that would have to take place there. So you know, if he puts up something worth eighty three point three million dollars, you know, that's verifiable from a, a third party expert that says, yeah, this is an eighty three million dollar property, or this is he puts up all eighty three million dollars in cash. That's so if he loses on appeal, E. Jean Carroll gets that money immediately. There's no waiting. It immediately Ooh. is transferred to E. Jean Carroll. Her attorneys, I, I assume, by the way, her attorney, Robbie Kaplan, a female, yeah. did a fantastic job. She took Trump down. Trump, you know, tried every antic, every circus trick in the book. Um, he has, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't help him that he has a lawyer who doesn't know how to introduce evidence in a federal trial. And Alina Haba, who said, quote, you can fake being smart, but you can't fake being pretty. So Alina Haba's pretty, according to Alina Haba. I don't, uh, I don't know what to say about that, but 
I don't either. I think it's really funny. It's just a ridiculous. I feel like, honestly, every time Donald Trump gets on TV, I feel like I'm watching Jerry Springer. Yeah, it's like, it's like you know, billionaire uh, Jerry Springer. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that. It's I like, feel like I'm just waiting for the Mardi Gras beads to come out. Yeah, I mean, Jerry Springer would have would have loved to have had Donald Trump, his ex-wives, his children from the different wives, the prostitutes he's paid, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, Stormy Daniels, <laughs> and come on, <laughs> the Jerry Springer show, and just rip into his man. I mean, take a big bite of Rust-Oleum number 35 right out of that I don't know if he has his entire body spray-painted, you know, Rust-Oleum, whatever. Um I, I'd be afraid of, of anything that came from Donald Trump. And, and, you know, for Stormy Daniels, I hope that, you know, she keeps up her uh, STD checks because, you know, these postules on his hands, you know, and his rapid uh, decline, cognitive decline. It's that Adderall getting to him now. It, it could be drugs. It, you know, people have talked about, uh, doctors have commented that it looks like syphilis, um, dementia, uh, you know, I've seen dementia up close and personally. I, I could say it's possible. I mean, we'll play some clips for you tomorrow of him running on and on, you know, uh, forgetting the dates of primaries and caucuses and just throwing out February's episode. You know, it's... Yeah, like he thought he was running against Obama. Well, yeah, he thinks that he has beaten Obama, that he's also beaten Hillary Clinton, uh, and that the 2020 election was stolen, even though it has cost him so much money to repeat that lie, it has cost him indictments in Fulton County, Georgia, that will not go away, no matter what the Supreme Court does. Uh, and in fact, the New York case about the 2016 election, about him, you know, suppressing the information about Stormy Daniels in 2016, yeah. disenfranchised voters. And in New York State, that's illegal. And he was running as a New Yorker at the time, a citizen of New York City. Yeah. So uh, the district attorney of New York City, Alvin Bragg, was the first one to indict Trump with criminal charges. So if the March 4th D.C. trial and Judge Chutkin's federal court um, is delayed, which it appears it will be uh, while we await the Supreme Court's finding of absolute presidential immunity, According to Trump, uh, as president, he could use SEAL Team 6 to assassinate uh, his main political opponent. Watch out what you wish for, Donald, because you are not currently president and you do not enjoy absolute immunity. However, Joe Biden does. Uh, so uh, I wouldn't uh, go too far with that. Yeah, no, he's playing a dangerous game because if they <laughs> yeah. actually say, well, yeah, okay, we'll let that go. We'll approve that. We agree with that. Biden automatically, he has every right to do whatever he wants. Not I mean, saying he would, no, but no, I don't believe he would. But. I, I think Biden is, is too good of a man to do something like that. Yep. But if there was anybody that just needed to be bagged out, like put a black bag over their head and sit into an isolated jail on the coast of God knows where, it's Trump. Yeah, we'll put it, put him in a shipping container near Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, where they keep the rest of the uh, terrorists. I think he's done as much to terrorize the American population as anybody. And as this stress piles up on Trump, we see, 
a cognitive decline that's been so rapid, it's honestly frightening because he's going to be the Republican nominee. As much as you and I might want Nikki Haley to be the Republican nominee, as much as the billionaire donor class might want her to be nominee, it's going to be Donald Trump. Oh, definitely. It's sadly going to be Donald Trump. And I mean, Nikki, you've been doing a really good job, but honey, Trump is just going to take it. Yeah, he really is. I mean, but, but however, I will say this for the millionaires and billionaires who are pouring money into her campaign coffers to keep her going. I think what they want is a bruised, battered and beaten Donald Trump. A Trump who's completely off the rails because Nikki is getting under her under his skin. She was on CBS uh, Tuesday morning, January 30th, and she went after him again, this time on the mainstream media. She just, you know, went after Donald Trump the way she should have been going after him through all of those debates Republicans had and just, you know, fought with each other as if they were in that race really against each other. It was... They were, they were in it against Donald Trump, and the only one willing to go after him was Chris Christie, who, you know, kind of topped out at 5% or 10% or whatever it was. But every time he was uh, asked a question, he went after Trump, you know, fangs out. So kudos to Chris Christie for doing that. Now, let me be clear about something. Nikki Haley believes in an outright abortion ban across the country. Nikki Haley could not answer the question what was the reason for the Civil War? She couldn't answer that question. She couldn't know, say the word sad. slavery. You know, finally, you know, she comes back and she tries to do damage control after being asked that question after the, you know, uh, after the fallout. But the simple fact that she couldn't just cut right out and say it was fought over slavery. Everyone who was alive at the time, from Robert E. Lee to Abraham Lincoln to the vice president of the confederacy talked about this is about slavery yeah and she tried to say it was about policy states, states and politics politics it's, yeah. it's, it's always states rights when you talk to these people who are pro-confederate it's states rights but the state's right to do what to own other human beings and keep them in bondage for your own monetary gain so i'm no nikki haley fan the only thing I like about Nikki Haley is that she's not a wannabe dictator. She's a traditional Republican who believes in foreign affairs and that America should be America on the world stage and fund our international allies like Ukraine to break Russia's back uh, because a Ukraine victory would be the end of Vladimir Putin. I really do believe that the Kremlin would turn on him if he lost a war to Ukraine. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think he survives it. Whether he whether he lives through it or not is another question. They let Boris Yeltsin live through his um you know, drunken nonsensical first few years of of Russia being a democracy or at least a democracy in name alone. Um they they let him sort of just go away and and Putin assume power back in 2000. And I remember that. There was a lot of hope around Vladimir Putin. Um, you know, George W. Bush, I think in 2001 or 2002, uh, met with Vladimir Putin and had high hopes for 
um, you know, Putin's Russia. And it turns out that they're an isolationist terrorist state that has done everything it could to undermine American influence around the world, American power. Um, and they've, frankly, they crossed the line in 2016 where they meddled in our elections. You know, when they did that, they, you know, they, they poked the bear. And, you know, since then, or since the Biden administration, at least, they've been under such heavy sanctions that they're left with nothing but Iran and North Korea um, and perhaps China a little bit. But I don't think China uh, is really looking to um, uh, piss off the Western world any more than it already has because their economy, if it loses any more ground, I don't know what might happen to Xi Jinping. Uh, she is the, of course, the dictator, uh, the authoritarian autocrat in China, um, the chairman of the Communist Party. So I'm not sure what will happen to him um, if he costs them any more. Um, but talking about fractures, talking about people really falling apart, there's this dichotomy going on inside the Republican Party where you have a certain percentage of Republicans who absolutely will not vote for Donald Trump. Uh, you have some of them who will vote for Joe Biden instead, who will write in a third party candidate, but love Nikki Haley and love that she's an old fashioned conservative Republican. Um, and she is very, very conservative. Make no mistake about that. If you're a Democratic voter who thinks, well, if she was the candidate, maybe. No, Nikki Haley is completely unacceptable um, and would basically institute the economic policy of the state of South Carolina. I mean, who wants that? I don't want it. I don't want to live. I mean, it's like Tennessee. You know, we don't have expanded Medicaid here. We don't have any sort of income tax. All of the, the, the tax on wealthy people has, has, has essentially been taken away. And the only uh, form of taxation really left our property taxes, which are dirt cheap in the state of Tennessee, which funds our school system, uh, what's left of it. Uh, by the time Bill Lee leaves office, I don't know if we'll have a public school system in Tennessee. Uh, they're trying to bring religious indoctrination into the classroom, and they're doing it through block grants so that they can open magnate schools. Um, and they'll they'll do it in, um, you know, uh, a mostly black or minority community an impoverished community first and say, look at what good we did with our, you know, oh, yeah. private magnate school, you know, or so that they can undermine public funding for other schools. And it's, it's honestly disgusting. Yeah. I mean, like the way that they're taking out books and then replacing books that are actually like very moving and very powerful, yeah, very educational books. And they're switching them in with books that are disgusting that talk about rape, sexuality, and everything. And these are for kids that are like in elementary to middle school. Yeah. I mean, well, the Bible's a good place to start. I mean, if they're really concerned about sex, about slavery, about violence, about all that stuff, then the Bible wouldn't be available in public schools. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be available. I think the, the Bible, the Quran... Um, the Torah, which is, you know, the, yeah, the, the Old all those books have all those things in them. The, the, they all have them in them and, and they're acceptable. It's religious text. It's faith. It's, it's whatever a person wants to believe, but we also can't just eliminate the experience of, of black people in this country, you know, from the time 
the first slaves were brought here in 1619, all the way through the assassination of Martin Luther King and the experiences of writers like Maya Angelou um, and um, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who of course wrote the, the, the 1619 Project, James Baldwin, the, the great uh, academic of the 1960s, black, uh, a black academic of the 1960s, who was, um, is, was, is fascinating. You know, it's fascinating to see the shorts. Okay. To see the shorts um, and reels that you'll see sometimes on YouTube or uh, other channels with him. Uh, Baldwin was really a character to interview. Um, an incredibly, incredibly intelligent man. Uh, but the big donors are going to continue to pour money into Haley. And you have right-leaning independents who absolutely are not going to vote for Donald Trump. So uh, they're, they're leaning towards Haley. It looks like Haley's going to stay in this thing through Super Tuesday, which means they won't have a presumptive nominee until a really, truly a presumptive nominee, one that they can say, okay, Trump's pretty much got this thing in the bag until later in the election cycle than they would prefer. You've got Donald Trump attacking her donors, saying that they'll be blacklisted from MAGA forever, as if Donald Trump would turn down a dollar being off offered to him by anybody. I mean, you could be his worst enemy yesterday and come in with a $10 bill and you're his best friend today. Um, I, I don't believe that one bit. So, um, you know, him torpedoing this uh, bipartisan deal to provide funding for the border and to provide funding for Ukraine and our allies in Israel, him inserting himself into the inserting himself into the uh, into the negotiations is disgusting for his own personal gain that really does nothing to help uh, anybody. He wants to solve the problem on his own if he's reelected, which God forbid that happen. Uh, and he doesn't want Joe Biden to have that victory. So instead, he's gone out and openly talked about it on the campaign trail. This is where I talk about the cognitive decline. Certainly you wouldn't do something that stupid and undermine the American people, especially in places like Texas that desperately want that border funding. Yeah. And they've got a Senate candidate who in the polls is holding on. I mean, I'm sorry, an incumbent senator in Ted Cruz who's holding on by 1%. I mean, right now he's polling one percentage point ahead of a guy no one knew six months ago named Colin Allred, former Dallas Cowboy football player and a Democratic candidate. We've come so close to flipping that state in the past that I, I truly believe there are enough independents who lean toward the Republican Party, lean conservative, and enough independents who lean Democrat who will actually come out and vote for Colin. I, I, I don't know if Biden will win atop the ticket, but I have increasing faith that Colin might actually pull this thing out in Texas. He might actually do it. He might. And I, and I think that... If we, as Democrats, invested the money and the time and had the ground game in North Carolina that, say, Hillary Clinton did in 2016 when she spent way too much attention on North Carolina yeah. at her own peril by ignoring Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, the blue wall states, as they like to call them, um, of course, she would just be ending her second term right now, and we would have you know, a, a young crop of fresh Democrats like Governor Shapiro of Pennsylvania, Gavin Newsom of California, 
Um, and, and well, to be honest, there's just so many. It'd be hard to 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 narrow down just a list of two or three. Pete Buttigieg, uh, the Secretary of Transportation, under Joe Biden, who has done an excellent job, including the whole I-95 disaster in Pennsylvania uh, when the tanker uh, blew up an overpass bridge on uh, possibly the most important interstate in the United States up and down the eastern seaboard on I-95. It was supposed to take somewhere between two and three years to fix under Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg and the leadership of... Wasn't Governor it like Shapiro, two weeks? Twelve days. Twelve days. Twelve days. Twelve days and I-95 was open again because it's such an important corridor that it not being open and semi-trucks not being able to pass through... I-95 would drive up the price of goods and it would be, uh, you know, terrible for inflation. It's terrible for people trying to go home who live in the Philadelphia area, you know. Yeah. People driving out of Philadelphia trying to get to suburbs like Westchester. Um, you know, the media really likes to take, really likes to talk about Biden's age. You know, they, they like to talk about how Biden slowed down a little bit. Um, they like to talk about all of that, but ignore the success of his presidency and not hammer home the fact that this man has led us back from the brink of complete disaster. We did not have a recession. The market held firm. And now we're seeing all-time highs in the S&P, the Dow Jones. We're seeing that really we've had the year of labor from the Starbucks. We had the UPS drivers and, and the part-time employees winning huge benefits, huge benefits. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that was, in my opinion, that was probably the biggest of all the wins was the UPS uh, situation. Yeah, and a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the ignorant, uh, like, fascist republics that republics, I've, yeah. I've talked to in, the, in my neighborhood, the only good thing that they can bring up about Trump is stimulus. That's that's the only thing that they will talk about is stimulus. But when Joe Biden sends stimulus, it's just deficit spending. They forget that Donald Trump added eight and a half trillion dollars to the deficit without an international war, without a war. He added eight and a half trillion to the uh, to the to the national deficit by cutting taxes for the one percent, basically showing that. He didn't give a damn about anybody in this country except for people who are going to give him money and people like him. And now I'm not denying Donald Trump had some substantial amount of money in his life, but to say that he was worth $10 billion in a deposition where they're suing you uh, for money and trying to figure out exactly how much money you owe this woman, E. Jean Carroll, Maybe it's not a good idea to brag about how rich you are in that setting, um, only for us to find out later in financial statements that you really uh, you couldn't afford to pay her the $83 million you owe. You certainly won't be able to afford the $370 million that New York State is attempting to disgorge from you. Uh, but, you know, they'll get their money one way or the other, or they'll get everything he's got. So, um, you know, sitting around bragging about having billions of dollars when you uh, don't have one billion dollars, uh, that was a good time to, you know, fake that you had next to nothing, Donald. Dementia, Dementia J, syphilis riddled, Dementia J Trump fails again in court. He fails and 
uh, at attacking Nikki Haley. He thinks she's Nancy Pelosi. Thinks that somehow his ambassador to the United Nations who quit his administration in August of 2018 was responsible for security at the Capitol in January of 2021. Three years later. I mean, this is the, the level of brain rot. You know, Biden talks a little slower because he's 80 years old and Trump's 78. Uh, but Biden's 81. Doesn't he have a speech impediment? Biden had a stutter, actually. A stutter? Yeah, yeah. he had a stutter. So he's he's had to fight through that. But, the, you know, if you look at the 2012 vice presidential debate when he debated Paul Ryan, who was running uh, as the vice presidential candidate, Mitt Romney, you yeah. see a much livelier guy who does talk a lot faster. Yeah. But, you know, now today he slowed down a little bit or he'll trail off a little bit. But I look at him as America's grandfather, you know, uh, America's, you know, um, great uncle. He's he's sure he's an old guy. But with Biden and and the world being in the shape it's in right now, I look at Biden's age as a feature, not a bug. And again, I borrowed that line from the dog, Professor Galloway, Prof G. By the way, if you want to check out Prof G, if you don't know him, it's Scott Galloway. You'll find him across social media platforms at Prof G P R O F capital G. Uh, he's always it's always great to to see the studies he posts on Threads, uh, on Instagram, and even on X a little bit. Um, and closing out today, you know, rumors that the Democratic Party has fractures and fissures inside of it. Well, I call that just normal politicking. That that happens. You know, you have young people disagree with older people. Um, we just have to get the coalition back together, at least in big enough numbers, to beat back these fascist Republicans. Because the election of Donald Trump means the end of American democracy. It means we may not get rid of him until the syphilis finally kills him off. It means yeah. we may not get rid of him until the dementia finally kills him off. I, I, I hate to be so crass you know, but MAGA is a cult. These are people who, their grievance, it's, it's, it's politics of fear, grievance, and hate. It has nothing to do with being working class. In fact, most people who make under $50,000 a year and vote, vote Democrat, not Republican. And if they really were, you know, well, we clock in for a living, we're hardworking people, then they would look at policy instead of just the words coming out of the mouth of a proven liar, a man who lies and lies and lies and lies, and now is, have to, is going to have to pay up for it at the tune of $88 million, over $88 million. We know that it's really just a sinister group of jaded people who uh, like the fact Donald Trump makes them feel good for being so shitty. And that's what it comes down to. You know, it's overwhelmingly white. It's, it has its ties to white supremacy, to white nationalism. And the MAGA movement is, is a movement of grievance and fear. It's just that simple. He will be the Republican nominee. We have to get out and vote. Vote. Tell a friend. Offer to drive people to the polls. Offer to phone bank for the DNC or for a local candidate in which you believe. Do you have thoughts on that, Lauren? If everyone can actually put their differences aside, 
and understand that either everything is going to go to hell mm-hmm. if Trump gets into office. We need to separate our differences, put those off to the side, come to an agreement, go out and vote, and make sure that that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it's going to affect our lives and the lives of our children later on. Yeah, this is this is an election now, I think it'll be the last one where you have to deal with Trump or a Trumpist, Trump-like candidate. So, again, for the sake of your children, for the sake of the environment, for the sake of your grandchildren, for the sake of American democracy, for the sake of our grandfathers, great-grandfathers who died in World War II, for example, fighting fascism, let's stop it here before it has a chance to spread. Because Dementia J isn't eligible to be on the ballot in the first place. And don't take my word for it. That was the late Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia who wrote that opinion. And that opinion was co-authored by sitting Justice Samuel Alito and Chief Justice, current Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Roberts, back in 2014. Of course, uh, Antonin Scalia, the first Italian-American to sit on the Supreme Court, which is something I'm proud of, being of Italian-American ancestry. But he was, um, you know, sort of the original right-wing lunatic, even though he was a brilliant man. Um, so, you know, Nikki, if you're out there and you happen to stumble across our little podcast here in Knoxville, Tennessee, Keep battering, beating, and driving Donald Trump crazy. You're not going to get the nomination. I don't think you'd win even if you got the nomination. But just keep doing what you're doing. Keep taking those billionaires' money. Um, You know, they don't pay anything in taxes, so they might as well give it to you and let you batter the hell out of Donald Trump and drive him insane ahead of the 2024 election. He'll still be talking about you as they're taking him away in handcuffs, um, or if he doesn't actually get prosecuted and put in jail between now and then, then he'll be um, up on stage debating Joe Biden. And uh, instead of Biden, he'll be talking about Haley, 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 Nikki. Yeah, I just thought of something. You know, I think I figured out a really good way to actually get Trump in jail. If they just make a trail from the courthouse of Adderall and McDonald Big Macs and just make a trail of them. Diet Coke cans. Yeah, and Diet Coke. If they just make a trail leaving out to the court and going straight into a cop car. Nice. They got him. Right, they got him. It, 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 it's sort of like a like a live trap, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can see him rooting around like the hog that he is with his uh, leaving a trail of Rust-Oleum spray paint on his way in. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to beat and batter Trump as best we can on our tiny little uh, network, our tiny little podcast here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that we're continuing to try to grow. We appreciate you so very much for listening to the podcast, for engaging with us on Patreon, for coming to our Instagram handles and, and checking out the content we post there. Again, we'll have our website built in the next couple of weeks. We'll be posting articles on there. We'll be going to local meetings. We'll be reporting more and more uh, about the local community here in Knoxville. Um, And, of course, we're always looking for contributors around the country who have worked in media and journalism in the past. Just send us an email, magnoliamedia at gmail.com, and we'd be more than happy uh, to give it a look. 
Just keep in mind that we are a left-leaning news network. Sorry, it's Magnolia Media 2024 at gmail.com. Uh, I, yep, he caught me there. It's Magnolia Media 2024 at gmail.com. That's our home email address. If you want to get us there again, you can also message us on Instagram. Uh, just be sure to have some sort of credentials ready. If, if you're interested uh, in contributing for us. Logan, you got anything to add before we go today? I just hope that you all enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Okay. Well, he pretty much said it. And that's all from us here at the Magnolia Media Pod, part of the Magnolia Media Network. I'm your host, Jonathan M. Ruggiero. I'm Logan Ramsey. Our co-host, I'd like to thank Logan for editing and engineering today's episode. Also, we'd like to thank Courtney Halstead for her technical support. That's it from us. Until next time, be well.